Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. I am Kerwin and I'm here with my buddy. Sure. And um, we are, this is episode 69 and we're recording on Tuesday, March 2nd. So happy March, everyone. Um, happy well, March? Really? Well, it is, <laughs> it is March. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a year, Kershaw. It's, it's been a year. Uh, no, it's, it'll be a year in April since we started this, but it's been a year since um, kind of COVID yeah. really yeah. started and all this, um, all this crazy stuff. Because remember, I did take my, my last pre-COVID flight was the end of February. Okay. Yeah. And around this time, we were, we were trying to plan to go to Italy for a conference and then to Berlin for a conference. And everything was in, you know, people were like, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe we'll postpone, maybe we won't. And people in Italy were like, oh, it's fine in Italy. Come to Italy. And then like a week later, it was nuts. Yeah. Oh, wow. but anyway. All right. So uh, what's the background you have today? I believe uh, I have may have used this earlier, <laughs> according <laughs> to you, but I like it very much. <laughs> It's a Lufthansa uh, seven four eight landing in snow. Uh, so do do we have to have the readers send us photos, Kisho? <laughs> not. Why not? Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually not a bad idea, right? They could send us photos, and then uh, we could we could use them as our background. Yes. Um, all right. So there you but go. That's a slippery so, slope. No, it, it's actually depending on what it. they send us. Well, it's it's aviation related photos, and okay. and, and we uh, we reserve the right to refuse to post them if we don't like them. <laughs> so send us your photos. Uh, you can send them to um, uh, feedback at passrider.com or just go to passrider.com slash contact and uh, and send us a photo and um, we can, we'll end up using it as our background if we like it and if it's. A good photo. <laughs> so give us some description, like you know, tell us where it is, tell us where it was taken, and if it's your photo and all that kind of good stuff. We um, um, yeah. All right, cool. So uh, what I have is the South African Airways. I'm going to move my head a little bit out so you can see. And there comes a face in. <laughs> my background is weird. Wait, I, I didn't hear what you said, Kusha. See that too. That mad, mad, mad magazine looking face. Yeah, it just came in, didn't it? But um, this is a South African Airways um, 747SP. Uh, it's actually an airplane I did fly from, um, uh, where was it, Zurich to uh, Johannesburg. And the, that SP is no longer flying. Um, all right, so let's see. Uh, what we're going to start talking so about So what are we going to start with? Is, um, I probably should have used that, my TWA background that I've used before. And I have so many different TWA planes because our first story is actually about TWA. Um, kind of a sad story. Um, TWA Flight 800 crashed um, many years ago. Um, there is still speculation as to um, whether it was shot out of the sky or whether it was just an onboard explosion. And um, what they had done, like they're doing all these NTSB cases in order to investigate them, they piece them together. 
And so Krishna is going to tell you what is going to become of that wreckage, uh, which is actually the piece together airplane. What's going to happen to it? So as you mentioned, um, EWA 800 is probably one of the main reasons that caused the airline to fail. Um, just like the value jet crash in Florida did mm -hmm. to that airline. So what happened was this was a flight going to Paris. It was a 747-100 on um, 17th of July in 1996. It had just taken off from JFK when it exploded um, just off the coast of Long Island in New York. And for the longest time, there were all sorts of conspiracy theories about what happened to the aircraft because there was nothing mechanical that appeared to go wrong. And of course, all these people claim to have seen all these missiles and this and that heading towards the aircraft. But long story short, there was an explosion and the aircraft fell into the Atlantic Ocean. Fortunately, it wasn't too far off the coast of Long Island and uh, the NTSB, which is the National Transportation Safety Board here in the US, in collaboration with the Navy, the US Navy, and a lot of fishermen and boats, they were able to retrieve, um, I believe, 95% of the aircraft, which is really remarkable yeah, on the ocean floor. Yeah. And they were able to identify every single one of the 230 passengers on board. Again, remarkable. So, for the longest time, they just could not figure out what was what happened. And ultimately, they decided that the main cause of the crash was a spark, an electrical short that ignited some fuel vapors in the center fuel tank of the aircraft. But they, what they haven't addressed is how that spark happened, how the short circuit happened. Uh, but suffice it to say, they put together, um, I believe it's a 93-foot section of the plane, which is the middle section around the wing, together. And they took weeks and weeks to do it with dozens of people, piece it all together around a framework. And um, they have been using it as a training tool. Um, it was first in New York, but then it was moved to uh, a place called Ashburn in, Wash in Virginia, which is near Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. I guess near the headquarters of the NTSB. Um, and what they have decided is that um, thanks to drone footage and um, all sorts of 3D, 3D imaging processes, they no longer need this wreckage um, to preserve it. And besides the lease on this hangar in Ashburn, Virginia is expiring. And so they have decided to destroy the, the wreckage. It cannot go on display because um, the NTSB has a rewritten agreement with the families of the passengers on the flight that it was never to be used for uh, viewing. Uh, oh, wow. And it was only to be used for training. Hmm. So the last um, use is going to be on the 7th of July of this year. Um, and it's also going to be documented. Um, 
everything about the wreckage is going to be documented for historical purposes. And um, it's then going to be destroyed. Wow. And That's kind yeah, of sad. They're not going to, to specify. It is. It is. I mean, it's, but, it's no, sad. I remember it, it, this crash very, very clearly. Oh, yeah. I was in New York at the time. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, it is very, okay. very, it's, it's quite bizarre when you think about, um, I, I can understand the families saying that. Um, it's just so sad though, because it, it would be such a, I, I guess it, it's an, it's a sad moment, but it's also a learning moment. And it's such a, the, the TWA brand is so iconic. Yep. And the fact that they're able to piece that together, it brings me to mind of the Malaysian airplane when you're told we're talking about, they were able to, you know, find 95% of the, mm-hmm. the airplane and, you know, all the passengers uh, remains. And we still, we still have no idea yeah. what happened to MH3, is it 370? Yep. 370. I don't know if we ever will actually. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Oh, that's crazy. Um, it, it's probably like, those are probably three of the, there are probably three aviation accidents that are just, you know, crazy. It's the, the MH370, that TW800, the one over Lockerbie, Scotland. Um, yeah. Uh, and there was also Egypt Air. Um, yeah, but that was known to be suicide, right? Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. What yeah, was suicide the, by the pilot. By, like that Eurowings, was it a 320 over the... It, it was it, it was it was German wings. Oh, German wings. Okay. Yeah, it was a not that long ago, right? Yeah, that was not long ago either. Um, oh yeah, no, the Egypt Air one was. Um, yeah. Pilot suicide. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't realize that that one. Um, that was that one. Uh, and of course, there's Swiss. Right. Off um, Newfoundland. Yep. So there's um. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing when you when you think about it, when you think about it. Um, wow! And then you can't forget the Canary Islands collision, right? Between the Tenerife the... one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I did go to Tenerife, and while I was there, that's all I could think about. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I could see the, the 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 approach path where I was staying. I was staying under the approach path for the airport, and yeah, I mean, as soon as I landed, I kept thinking, wow. That was just so, um, and Christian, maybe you can just tell the, the listeners what happened in Tenerife if you have, if you, if you know. I forget there. when it was. Um, I can't remember when it was either. I think it was in the 80s. We can look maybe? it up. I'll look um, it up while you're talking. But there was, um, I forget the exact sequence, but I believe it was a KLM 747 and mm-hmm. a Pan Am. Was yes. it Pan Am? It was Pan Am. Pan Am flight seven, 1736 and KLM 4805. At Tenerife Airport, um, one of them, um, I forget which, entered the active runway while the other was taking off. And the pilot of one of the aircraft saw the other on the runway and tried to um, do an emergency takeoff. And they, I believe, managed to clear most of the plane, of the other plane, but I believe the wheels of taking off aircraft hit the other yeah. plane. And um, it just several, 
I think over 500 people lost their lives. Is that correct? Yeah, it's 583 people died, but there were 61 survivors, which is good. And when was it? Um, this was uh, March 27, 1977. Okay. Yeah. And actually, an interesting thing, it happened in Tenerife North Airport. I actually flew into the South Airport. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was a North and a South. Yeah, 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 there is. Um, uh, quite interesting. So. But yeah, um, it was one, was one of those really um, incredible ones. So I need to go back mm -hmm. to Tenerife and go to the North Airport because this was a South Airport if I was there. Um, all right, so. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So did they say when they're going to destroy it? Um, the last time they will use it is July 7th. No, they won't. I guess oh. they'll do it very quietly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because they don't want too much publicity. Exactly. And hopefully... So, but the them. amount of work that they must have done to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So... It'll be good to see because um, those uh, PBS or something may have a PBS or Discovery or National Geographic. Or so, Smithsonian. Yeah. Yeah. Have some. I wish they would do a... Uh, yeah on that, how they did it. Yeah. So. Wow, yeah, that'll be good, that'll be good to see. Um, all right, well, on a brighter note, um, so um, Krishna and I grew up with this because um, we lived in former British colonies. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, the, the way how, like in the United States, Clorox is the word when you talk about disinfectant. Everybody Lysol. Of Lysol or Clorox, right? Those are the two big ones. But in the British colony, it's Dettol. So we grew up with Dettol. And, and, and I actually think. Lysol or Clorox. It's always Dettol. All right, exactly, right? So it's always been Dettol. And it, it's really good. It smells quite a bit. If you ever get it on a cut or something, it burns really well. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, um, what does that have to do with aviation, though, Kasia? <laughs> Surprised it has taken so long to do this. But Dettol is a British brand. Um, it's made by a company called Reckitt Benkesa, and they have finally <laughs> uh, partnered with British Airways. This is, um, as I said, I'm really surprised this hasn't happened earlier, given that United has been doing this for um, months and months, at least here in the US. They're Clorox, right? Yes. Okay. So um, BAA has now reached this agreement with Dettol to offer customers a range of Dettol products, um, starting with the check-in process to everything on board. So now they have these uh, cleaning dispensers and sanitizer stations in T5 at Heathrow for all the check-in desks, self-service bag drops, lounges and departure gates um, using antibacterial wipes, cleaners and sprays um, to keep surfaces clean. And on board now, um, all passengers will each be handed a packet of an antibacterial wipe as they board the aircraft, much like United is doing just now. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
Uh, BA is going to be using Dettol products to clean all high touch surfaces, including the seats, IFE screens, seat buckles and tray tables after every single flight. And then at the end of each day, the aircraft is given a thorough cleaning nose to tail. Again, possibly with Dettol products. So it's going to smell um, like Dettol. That's it. Your Dettol actually is a really strong smell. <laughs> don't mind it, actually. But I'm sure a lot of people will have an issue with it. Uh, well, they probably have. They're probably going to use some that doesn't have like a no scent Dettol or something. Yeah. I don't know if there is such a thing. But Me either, knows? but. You know, the, it the, does that's... have a very strong, it's got a very clean smell, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it smells like a hospital, kind of. <laughs> Kusha, your, so, sound, your sound is cutting out a little bit. I don't know if it's because of our connection. Okay. But it, it especially okay. when, when, okay. You move, when you move your, your, uh, your headphones. Is that it's, right? Yeah, it's cutting out. Okay. So, so you know what? I'm just gonna have we, we're gonna have to get you some headphones. So maybe maybe we can so, find a maybe we can find a head headphone sponsor. Um, but but we'll see. Um, so I'm sorry. So, carry on. So anyway, but BA uh, this was from the British Airways Media Center, and they made it a point to also note that um, BA has never compromised on safety. The aircraft interior <laughs> is air is recycled every two to three minutes. Yada, yada, um, yada. <laughs> 99.9% efficiency to remove viruses and bacteria, equivalent to a hospital operating th theater, mm. which is actually quite impressive. As long as it doesn't smell so, like one, but okay. <laughs> I, I just, I, and the only reason I really mentioned this is what took them so long. But as you probably said, as you said, the money probably wasn't right until now. Exactly. They had that to work sounds very these. cynical, but it's probably true. That's how it goes. I mean, because like Pirel is the one that sponsors, uh, works with Delta. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So when yes, you get you're on, right. You're right. Pirel. Yes, I should. When you get on Delta, they give you a Pirel. When you actually go by the Delta gate, the hand sanitizer thing is Pirel. Okay. Uh, yeah, and when in, in your meal they give you a little Perel packet. I don't know what they give you in American. Uh, I, maybe it's Lysol or nothing. something. Nothing. Oh, nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some of your lines are better than others, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry, say but again. At least not on my flights. Uh, the ones okay. I've taken on American. Yeah, it's so. interesting. Um, God save and measure. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, um, okay, cool. So I'm I'm glad at least they're doing they're doing something uh, something with that, and I guess they've worked out the deal now. You're gonna see Dettol everywhere. It's it's yeah, yep. it's, quite, it's quite interesting. And why not? Why not? Yeah, I should look up while we do the next hour. I look up who American is partnering with because I I think they've partnered with someone, but I don't know who it is. Because um, you know it makes sense. Now the, the thing about disinfectants, so. Um, before you couldn't find any. Now the grocery stores are overcharging for it, and yeah. they, they, they've slashed the prices because they used to charge four ninety five for like a thirty five package of thing, and um, mm -hmm. it's one in a plastic round container, and now it's a dollar ninety nine, and they have which is what? Wait, what is this? The um, the the disinfecting wipes. 
Okay. So when you go to the store now, they have too many because they're putting them, you know, when you walk into the store to the, the doors outside, usually like the entire side where they normally have Coke and all the Pepsi or whatever they're advertising, it's disinfecting stuff now. And they can't seem to move them because they're having too much. I mean, even even in the, I went to HEB and HEB actually had Lysol spray, which is something you've never seen in ages. Okay. And so, um, so they're catching up again, um, but I think they've mm. made, it looks like they've made too many because um, they, and they're too expensive. So their prices need to fall again. Uh, all right. Good for yep. British areas and and Dettel. Um, it's it's so it's so funny to see to see to see Dettel now. Uh, all right, so we're gonna move across the uh, across Europe. Um, is British is the UK out of Brexit already? It's done. Okay. Um, it's Okay. Uh, the last day. So, all right, let's go over to Finland. What are they up to? What's Finnair up to? So this was, again, a very interesting story. And normally, I mean, you wouldn't think twice about this, but Finnair has dismantled um, one of its, its first aircraft in Helsinki. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, what what is done is that these aircraft are transferred to what are called dry zones, typically deserts, right. um, where these aircraft are then uh, retired and uh, disassembled. The first 319 that Finnair got rid of was last year, in fact, and they sent it of all places to the Cotswolds in England. And I can hardly imagine that place to be a dry zone, but for whatever reason, that's where it went. They store a lot of planes there. So yeah. it's not dry there, but um, this is the first time that Finnair has um, decommissioned an aircraft on its home base. And it was a 319. It had flown for 54,710 54, flight hours over 32,966 flights over 21 years. Wow. And um, what was done and the reason they did it in Helsinki was, of course, um, to optimize sustainability and economics, which makes sense. And here's the, the strange, uh, the other strange thing, and one of the main reasons why I mentioned it and included it here this week, is to employ mechanics during the pandemic when their normal workload has decreased. So does this mean they're not going to do this once regular services resume or not? Yeah, that is know. the issue. Okay. So, um, so the, it's going to be done in three parts over six weeks. First of all, the engines, the seats, the landing gear, and the avionics, um, and the wings and the tail are all going to be disassembled. And then all the other parts are going to be taken off the aircraft and reused within the Finnair fleet. Hmm. Then after that, they're going to, um, transport the what is left, which is, I guess, the main fuselage. The carcass. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> to an external partner for further dismantling and recycling. And here's something uh-huh. I, else I didn't know. 
is that a modern aircraft like the 787 or the 350 mm -hmm. from Airbus can be 98% um, recycled, which is pretty remarkable. Oh, wow. But what Finnair is saying is that for an older plane like the 319 that was recently retired, up to 90% of the aircraft is recycled, which is still pretty damn good. That's still pretty good, yeah. Uh, As I said, they started in mid-February uh, with this aircraft, and they expect to be done by late March or early April. So, so the so, the, the the missing two percent, what is that? I don't know what they do with that. <laughs> Does it go into landfill? I know, and and I'm trying to think which part of the what airplane is, is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, as we talk about airplane, and we don't have we don't have that on the. Um, on here, but I think I want to interject it uh, since you're talking about airplanes going to to boneyards and stuff like that. Um, are, you, are you done with the story? Yes. Because um, this is this is kind of connected. The United Triple Seven. Yes. That took off and the um, the uh, well, I I guess we should try to get. We're going to talk about that. Is it on? Is it on your list? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. With Boeing, unfortunately, with Boeing. Oh, it's it's on another thing. So actually, we may not talk about it in this. Actually, we won't talk about it in this segment because um, this is all of art. So this will give you a guy, give you guys a reason to tune in for another a future episode because we are going to talk about the um, what happened. The, what happened with that triple seven? So we'll definitely talk about. It. Hold on one sec. Okay. Um, all right. Good. So we'll. So so you guys have to tune in. It's probably going to be episode seventy, where we'll talk about what happened with the United Triple uh, Seven. All right. Cool. Um, but so so back to the the Swiss the Finnair. Um, so is is this what's going to happen to every three nineteen? Um, I guess it depends on the age, right? Yeah, what it's, I mean, it's going to be a, a 320 and right. I don't know what they did with the 340. I so think they still have a few. Yeah. So, Kushi, you know, we have a lot of flying to do when this is all over, right? <laughs> Wait, yeah, you cut out again. It will be over. It will be over. I mean, you know, it's it, it, so think about it, right? When, when every time we have these type of Pandemics. Well, we. I don't think I've. I've not lived through a pandemic before, but we had epidemics before, right? They. Um, they okay. saw. Um, it was it was SARS really, not right? wasn't SARS an epidemic? I didn't get that far. I guess if it wasn't if you lived in Asia, it's not right. for us in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, which is I don't weird. think at least. Which is weird, right? Because people didn't realize that this was a huge issue in Asia. Um, huge deal. Yes. I know. And nobody cared. Our, our, well, I shouldn't say nobody cared, but it seemed like nobody cared. Um, at least not in the Western world. At least not in this side, yeah. Because I remember when we used to fly, um, I, I, even now, those things are still in place. And when you go to Hong Kong and Singapore, um, they have disinfected mats. Better. Oh, wait, say again. 
I'm sure that was one reason why they were able to handle this COVID epidemic much better than the rest of the world did, because they were ready for it. Yeah, yeah. After going through SARS. Exactly, because they had temperature checks, which they still do, and mm-hmm. they have um, the, the disinfected mats, which they still do. Mats, and, yeah. And so, and so you, you know, uh, I went to, uh, went to South Africa, and that was Southern Africa, and we were going from Namibia to Botswana, and um, you had to step into this disinfecting thing um, huh. individually, uh, you know, so you so we get all this. So because they have a, uh, the problem that they have there, why they have that is they have the, is it foot and mouth disease it's called? The one that get transmitted mm-hmm. to the animals. Um, yeah. So that's why they have that there. So there's a lot of these things that are in place and people just don't think about them when they travel. Um, but yeah, so um, I forget where I was going with that thought. But <laughs> oh, wait, say again. You never lived through a pandemic before. That's uh, where it started. Right. And so, um, but I still forget the thought I was trying to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I must be getting old. All right. So, um, uh, what you are old. old. I know, right? But here's what we're going to do. Um, we need to start. I, I need to pause the recording and then we're going to pick it up again because you're cutting out every now and again. Um, I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm hearing it on my, on my end every time you cut out. Normally, we're able to speak almost. I, I could always hear when you say something, but sometimes I don't hear you at the beginning. So I'm going to... I'm going to um, Stop the recording and then we'll continue again. Okay, and we are back. Sorry about that little um, interruption. Um, the sound was a little weird, and I know that with podcasts, sound is the thing, right? So if you hear the little crackling, um, then it goes nuts. So we were talking about um, thin air and moving the airplane, moving the airplanes around. I think we were done with it. Yes. Yeah. All right, so let's jump to the next one then. Um, oh, we're, we're saying that we need to go fly because um, so many things have happened around the world. And, you know, we've just been kind of uh, reading the news and using our knowledge of the aviation to do it. But um, we need to go visit like Cotswold. <laughs> yeah. Actually, even that place called Teruel in Spain. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> where all BA 380s are. Exactly. So, so that's going to be like our mission, Kushio, Um, When we can get to Europe, because um, right now there's so many restrictions around, but whenever we can get to Europe. And um, Europe needs to get its act together because uh, of the yeah, yeah. missteps with the vaccine yeah, rollout. There's, there's been quite a, um, quite a weird thing. Um, I think I read somewhere where the EU had a plan that they were going to try to execute. Um, so that all the countries will be taken care of. Um, but not working out that way. No. I think so, Ursula has not done very well. The EU commissioner. Yeah. So it's, it, so. it's, it's going to be quite interesting to see how that goes. Uh, you know, speaking of vaccine, we were talking about um, how... Um, Are you getting off track no, but but it, it, it it's it's all related to this because you're thinking that you know we want to travel, right? 
But a lot of the, um, the developing countries have not had access to the vaccine. And well, because- if you listen to the BBC, yes, they are. Like Africa is, Ghana, Nigeria, um, and uh, not, not Nigeria, sorry, Ghana, um, Ivory Coast, and uh, I believe Senegal. Through the COVAX and program, all delivered, right? yes, all on Emirates right. aircraft, surprisingly. Um, which, which makes sense. So they're, they're, they're doing some of that through COVAX, but like, let's look at the Caribbean, for example, um, yeah. or the smaller African countries that can't quote unquote afford it. Yeah. Um, You're right. A lot of those countries aren't going to have any vaccine and people, people are going to want to travel. Um, but if the countries are, if the people in those, those smaller countries where they want to travel to travel to aren't vaccinated, then it's really difficult to rebuild mm-hmm. the tourism infrastructure for them. Because even like the Caribbean, and you'd think the Caribbean is, so that Jamaica, I think, is probably the largest populated one. Um, apart from like, uh, yeah, that's one of the higher populations ones. So that's two and a half million people. And when you think about it, if you wanted to do like the senior citizen and stuff like that, there's a lot of children in the Caribbean because there's mm. a lot of children in the Caribbean, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, and so if you were able to vaccinate like the older people, you don't need two and a half million doses, right? You probably need a few hundred thousand because the, because the older population is not that large uh, in the Caribbean. So I'm just saying that there, there, there needs to be, I guess the people who do this vaccination thing need to think about the smaller countries as well. And how are these um, developing countries? Well, that was the original plan, right? That was the original plan. But it's not. And it just hasn't worked out that way. No, because we're in March. Yeah. And but are you surprised? Are you surprised? A little bit. A little bit surprised. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, and, and I know that you know this is this is unprecedented, blah 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 blah. But um, if we want travel to start, we're gonna yeah. have to think about um, how do you get others, right? How do you get the vaccine? Because yeah, okay, fine. So all the big countries have the vaccine, but everybody wants to go to the Caribbean when it gets cold. How is mm-hmm. that gonna happen? Uh, but anyway. Yeah. So if someone's listening, tell us tell us how is this going to happen? Because I can't really think about this it. Yesterday on the news, they were talking about uh, how the U.S. had plans to share their vaccine supply with Mexico. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's on hold for whatever reason. Mm. Now, I know so, Mexico does have vaccines because I was just talking to someone before the call today. Colombia has it too. Col- too yeah. And they were saying that yeah. people were... People were getting vaccine and they were lining up to get vaccinated. And so a lot of the Americans who are expats, they have to come back to the US to get their vaccines because they don't qualify in the other countries, which makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, Our inequitable world. All right. Um, Next topic. Next topic, yes. So, Let's talk about Swiss. Since I since I have my South African SP that's in Zurich Airport, uh, let's go now with Swiss. Yep. Yes. You're. 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 I can't hear you. Happen. How did this happen? Did, did the headset go out? Yeah. It's went to 
unmute. It went to mute, but anyway. Okay, yes, go ahead. So this is a topic I'm not particularly pleased with, even though it's a great plan. Most European airlines, slowly but surely, European airlines are moving away from their free onboard meal service to a pay as you go, much like we have here in the US. Exactly. Sorry, Kusha. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, we talked about Lufthansa. And this time it's Swiss, which is mm. another Lufthansa partner. So um, they have gone pretty upscale. And uh, in their, what they're calling Swiss Saveur, uh, which is French for flavor, offering for short and medium haul flights from Zurich for now. Okay. Uh, in late April, um, Geneva comes online for the service. But what they have done is that they have partnered with uh, this company called Sprungli. And the full name is Confissary um, Sprungli, which is uh, confectionery Sprungli. And it's a chocolate manufacturer. Those of us who like chocolates, I'm it's sure Swiss. you did that. Um, and they're also famous for their macroons. Ooh, Not a big fan okay. of macroons, but um, a lot of people are. Dude, those are so good. <laughs> um, so Sprungli is now going to um, supply all the recipes that uh, are going to be used for all the fresh items on the pay-as-you-go economy menu on short and medium-haul uh, flights on Swiss from, as I said, to and from Zurich for now. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, as Luf just as like Lufthansa said, there's going to be a wider selection. The food is going to be fresher and higher quality, which makes me wonder, what were we eating before? Um, there's going to be more regional accents and much more sustainable packaging. Um, they're going to incorporate other Swiss brands as well as the smaller um, local suppliers as well for everything from chips to hot chocolate to coffee to gin to beer. It's going to be all very cute on Swiss flights. There's also a new mineral water which is apparently exclusive to Swiss um, called Swiss Altitude 1150 uh, which um, is a special <laughs> spring in the Swiss Alps that is at 1,150 meters or uh, about 3,700 feet above sea level. Yeah. So um, Sprungli was established in 1836. So it's about 180, 190 years old. Um, and they've been known for their chocolates and their macaroons. So they're going to be supplying their recipes for Swiss's um, onboard menu items like muesli, salads, sandwiches, and uh, sweet pastries. For instance, a uh, serving of muesli is going to be about Swiss franc, seven, seven and a half Swiss, Swiss francs, which is about um, eight US dollars. Um, other items include like a pretzel with air dried beef, a vegetable brioche, and their supposedly famous Luxembourgly mini macaroons. A full meal on this uh, menu is going to be 
18 and a half Swiss francs, which is about 20 US dollars, which sounds pretty pricey to me. It that better is, be damn good. That is price. So what's the full meal? What's in a full meal, did they say? But they did not specify. Um, and they're going to keep updating their menu every three to six months. Um, there's going to be no change to uh, their business class menu because they say that's um, superlative as it is. Better not. Um, and um, all their packaging is going to be in uh, what they call paper-wise material that is going to be made exclusively from agricultural waste uh, that has been created with um, uh, renewable energy. So it's carbon neutral, which is a great idea. And anything that cannot be used for that purpose will be from um, responsibly managed forests. The FSC, the Forest Stewardship Council, approved uh, cardboard or craft paper, which is, again, 100% eco-friendly. And that degrades naturally in a few weeks. Um, and they're also going to tailor the product to reduce waste, much like everybody else is doing. Um, snacks and drinks will be anywhere from three to 12, six Swiss francs, which is about three and a quarter US dollars to about 13 US dollars. But the important thing is that Swiss chocolates will be continued on board to be served free. Good. Um, as will uh, this mineral water. Okay. And later on, they're going to introduce this sort of exclusivity to the long haul network. So I really hope we don't have to pay for meals on long haul flights. I don't think they would do that. Um, I don't think any of them have done that so far, but you never know, right? But no, you're right. Yeah. Um, right. So one thing that always gets me about when the airlines say they're gonna, they, so they say things are recyclable, right? But I thought, and I'm pretty sure that this is a case that they incinerate a lot of stuff international because, because you're not allowed to take it off the aircraft when you right. go from one country to the other. But maybe it's Europe a, is different. Well, it's right. same, this is Europe. Yeah, but it's the same bacteria and stuff. That's the reason why they incinerated it because they don't want to carry the germs and you don't want to have all the uh, all the bugs and stuff and all that. And so they incinerate, it. and that's why they tell you that you can't take the stuff off the food, off the plane, and things like that. Maybe they'll bring it back. I don't know. Like Singapore Airlines is doing. Right? They also revamped their economy menu. Well, yeah. <clears throat> but I still think that the no matter what you do, you still don't want to bring all that bacteria and stuff back into the country. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, if anyone's listening so, knows how that works, it'd be interesting to, to see that. Uh, and, and Europe is quite different because every flight is an international one almost <laughs> uh, in, but they all have the same rules right if they're within the the eu even though yeah. swiss is not in the eu um <laughs> yeah the eu thing is really interesting right um, <laughs> so is there like a is there like a non-eu consortium and uh, would it be a non-EU slash Schengen-ish consortium? <laughs> a lot of Eastern Europe, right, is not in the EU. 
Uh, no, but some of them are. Um, some of them are, yes, of course. Yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, that's so, that's so complex. Is like Egypt or Israel, which are really not in the EU, or North Africa. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, it's so, uh, because come to think of it, Russia, Belarus, they're not that far. No, right, they're exactly. I don't know if they classify under medium haul or uh, long haul. So, yeah. but yeah, anyway. That's a good, well, I mean, like uh, medium hauls are flying across the United States, right? And that's about, that would be that's about 2,500. Miles. Um, we should we should really know that, shouldn't we? We should know what, that, right? What well, classifies a short haul, medium haul, and long haul? Uh, you know, it's interesting because um, Houston, Houston, New York is thirteen hundred mm-hmm. uh, or fourteen oh one or something like that. Um, Which that would be medium, and that's three and a half hours. Um, Houston, LA is also about the same amount, but Houston, Seattle. Is yeah. much is much longer. It's like um, close to four. Mm. Um, I say that medium. So that's probably still medium, but the transcons, uh, which are like twenty five hundred miles, I think. Um, five and a half, six. Five and a half, yeah. So, but that's not really long haul because long haul is like seven, over eight Plus. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then Houston Anchorage is seven and like a half. eight or nine, right? Okay, <laughs> I think it's seven and a half. Um, and they used to use the, the max for that, which I guess they'll do again. Um, because the seven five sevens is kind of like, eh. uh, but yeah, yeah, okay, Christian. So that's your assignment. We need to define, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we should know that. See, we need somebody in scheduling. Sorry, say again. So, that image of that cartoon face coming up above your head yeah, sometimes no, it, is it spooky. So, so what that is that behind me is a picture, and it's a it's a Guinness glass, and it has a face on top of it. And so, because we're using the virtual background, every time I move, like now, you can see it, and if I move back a little bit, it's gone. So that's what you keep seeing in the in the background. It's driving Kushio crazy. <laughs> um, okay. It is. What's the next topic? Um, so when COVID started, uh, maybe not when COVID started, but after COVID started and we couldn't go anywhere, um, <clears throat> people wanted to go over everywhere and countries were locked down. Um, we, all these flights that, they, they call them flights to nowhere because they didn't land anywhere and you you were you landed at the same place you started like three hours later four hours later we thought they were gone but this was a big deal remember the end was, of last year it was huge like everybody was doing it and we had our bet that which air, u.s airline would do it and i guess we both lost because none of them did <laughs> so what's the latest so this one um is from ukraine of all it uh, carriers, Ukraine International. Uh, and I remember this is what I wanted to do when I was in Ukraine, Okay, is go to Chernobyl. Now, oh. for those of you who are too young to remember the nuclear accident 
in uh, 1986. Ukraine International um, is, was offering one flight from Kiev to uh, Chernobyl, to overfly Chernobyl, um, and also to go to the Antonov aircraft factory in uh, Gostomel. Hmm. Now, Chernobyl is very close to the Belarus border north of Kiev, and uh, this Antonov factory is sort of on the way, but a little bit northwest of Kiev. And they didn't specify how long these flights were, but there were a hundred seats on board an Embraer 195. And uh, what you would also be treated to was a tour of um, uh, UIA 777 at Kiev airport, which I thought was a great idea. Yeah. So um, they went on sale for the March 7th flight in early February. And wouldn't you know it, it sold out in a really, really short while. Ukraine claims they got over a thousand requests for a hundred seats. So bowing to pressure, apparently, they scheduled a second flight for March the 13th. That one has also sold out. And they're going to schedule Um, a third, I hope. The tour guide, I would expect they would schedule a larger aircraft, but maybe they just don't have any. Yeah. Spare, like a 737 or something. Yeah, but probably, uh, the probably. tour guides are going to be uh, Ukraine international pilots. Um, and um, uh, they're also going to overfly the, um, the Dnieper River mm-hmm. uh, at a low altitude for additional features on this flight. I would love to see the Chernobyl factory. The, not factory, the, the remains of the nuclear power plant. But it's not open to tourists. <clears throat> oh, man. That so, was interesting to see. And I doubt we can get to Kiev by March 7th. Um, no, but we don't have any. Um, they know what you call it anyway. They know um, they know flights, Kushro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that... that so- that's pretty cool, though, when you think about it. Um, Chernobyl tours um, are big. They still have them now. So Do they? Uh, have they ever? Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a company. Uh, when I go to the New York Times Travel Show each year, which we didn't have one this year. But, um, last Isn't that area still radioactive? Um, yes. So the tours, they go... Sorry, that's something in my teeth. The tours go um, to, they're, they're, I guess, select parts and have, they, you take a Geiger counter and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, but you can go on tours. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are uh, I don't know if I want to do that, but there's been, um, so I've, I've known some people who've gone and they've all okay. advertising when you go to the New York Times Java show, try to get people to go. Um, really? Huh. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, that would be interesting. And Kiev is one of the places that you and I went to Kiev <laughs> and we couldn't find our hotel. That was quite funny. <laughs> and as it turns out, because in Kiev, everything is in Cyrillic and um, the name that we had on paper didn't match the name that was actually on the hotel. Remember, we had it in English, right? We had it in English, yeah. And we kept walking around. We knew it was Aeroflot. 
Yes. Remember? <laughs> I know it was, but it was it was quite the. We found it eventually. Somebody actually took us to it because uh, we. I think we passed it one or two times. <laughs> On that um, bus. I know that that was quite the experience. We need to go back to Kiev. Uh, and all my pictures. I only have one picture, and it's a picture of the um, the square at night with the big thing. And yeah, the, um, Maidan. Yeah, there you go. And uh, we've not. Right, yeah, so we need to go back. Um, okay, so yeah. So, oh wow! All right, that was an Airways magazine. All right, good deal. So. Um, I just noticed that as, as we're talking here, because this is uh, March 2nd and uh, while we're recording this, <clears throat> and uh, I just I just noticed, um, so the governor of Texas um, has says, he's lifting statewide mask mandate and allowing all Texas businesses to reopen at full capacity. Uh, it's now time to open Texas 100%. Can we please change the topic? Uh, okay, so I brought this up because so will you continue to wear a mask, show? <laughs> you don't, you don't have to answer. I'm gonna continue to wear a mask. I'm not I, because I don't trust other people. Um, least of all Texas leadership. But can we please change the topic? And why did you bring this up? Because I was looking at my phone for the next story, and it came up as a thing. And I heard, and there was also talk about it. So um, this will be interesting to see if uh, the city of Houston keeps that. In um, d d it's always been a big thing in Texas where um, the city, the cities all around Texas, wants to do something, and then the, I guess the the governorship of, of Texas said they want to do something else. It is state always, leadership. Like, thank you, the state leadership. So there's always like a battle between the between all the cities. Um, and the state leadership. So this is going to continue. <laughs> okay, next story. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so um, the next story. But you know, it affects aviation because what are, what are the airports going to do now, right? I mean, so you don't have you don't wear an, you don't wear a mask in the airport, but you have to wear a mask on the airplane. <laughs> okay, That's stupid. But please change the subject. Uh, Irritating issue, right? All right, so let's jump to Emirates. Emirates flies a milestone of sorts in the COVID era. I'm gonna guess cargo. Not exactly. Okay, what you got? <laughs> so milestones in this era have a quite a different meaning, mm -hmm. but um, for this purpose, um, Emirates was number three in line, but maybe number one. Because everything associated, everything and everybody associated with this flight from Dubai to Los Angeles um, was safe as far as vaccinations go. Because every person who dealt with this aircraft and the flight on the 21st of February had been fully vaccinated. Right. From uh, the check-in desks, the security staff, the lounge, the gate employees, the engineers who worked on the aircraft, the pilots, of course, the cleaners, the handlers, and the loading um, uh, staff, they were all vaccinated. Uh, now, wow. of course, they were, they announced this a little behind uh, the U, then uh, Etihad, 
right. who announced that their cabin crew were uh, fully vaccinated. And then a few days later, Singapore Airlines operated a flight um, with a fully vaccinated crew. But as far as I'm concerned, um, and the news reports, this was the first case of everything associated with that flight. Everybody associated with that flight was vaccinated. I and of course, El Al Israel has uh, yeah. also said that all their crew have been, customer-facing crew have been vaccinated. So we talked about this at the last episode, right? Uh, yes. Or one of the previous episodes. And Maybe, it yes. was, we were trying to figure out who is it that, and we were like, we don't really care um, that you're vaccinating your people. You should anyway. So like, is that going to be a, a standard by which airlines are judged now? Oh, uh, I'm not fine that airline because... Anything to get publicity, right? Yeah. yeah it's stupid. So, <laughs> it's but, Or it might have been Qatar is the one that said they had done everybody. I, they, I did, they did, actually. They did. Yes, I think it was Qatar. But that it said, defines, but it depends. Who do you define as everybody? Gavin well, crew. I think it was, no, no, it was everybody, including ground staff. Everybody, and one was like everybody who's customer facing. Okay, I thought LL did that, but. Yeah, it's, um, all right, so they're, so they're in there now. Okay. So what, we got so. five airlines. None of them, none of them US airlines, of course. <laughs> airlines employ a lot more people, right? A lot uh, larger. Well, yeah. So um, it's interesting. The UAE plans to have more than 50% of its population vaccinated by the end of March, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah it actually is. Um, the sun's going. So, All right. I think that's it. I think, I think this is a better, uh, better thing. So. Uh, all right, cool. So we're getting there. We're slowly getting there. Um, all right, so where are we in the next story? Um, okay, we're just talking about Etihad. Um, what are they doing? This was another unique story. Um, and it sort of ties in with what Finnair was doing with the 319. Yeah. But um, let me find my notes. So Etihad... Um, in the process of refurbishing its fleet, has decided to take a local approach to this. Okay. So in a quest to reduce waste and uh, encourage recycling, what they have done is they have converted, uh, discarded and unused portions of older aircraft into art. And this could be carpets or fabrics, um, emergency equipment, aircraft sidewalls. I didn't think that was, um, their planes were that old, but apparently they are. Mm. Uh, windows and in also seats on board Etihad aircraft um, are going to be recycled and they have encouraged local UAE artists to um, do what they will with these uh, supplies. Okay. So they had a couple, this was from the Etihad News um, section on their website. And they had this artist called Aza Al-Kubaisi. 
And what she had done is that she had taken the rails on which seats are installed on the floor of the cabin. And she had made this like very geometric art, arty looking thing that could be hung or uh, hung from the ceiling or installed on the ground. Hmm. That looked reasonably attractive. And uh, there was another article, another piece of art from um, someone from Ireland. Her name was Christine Wilson. She lives in Dubai. And what she had done is that she had used aircraft curtains, uh, a wall paneling complete with two window inserts, life jackets and cabin interiors to create what she called a multi-dimensional art piece to, as Etihad said, encapsulate a textural zeitgeist of Etihad. So they had the uh, uh, outline of the skyline of Abu Dhabi. Okay. And it actually looked quite different and very unique. That's cool. Um, And what they're going to do is exhibit these um, at the Etihad headquarter office building in Abu Dhabi. Ah, okay. Um, But Uh again, a good idea, I think. Yeah. So I'm always intrigued by artists because I have zero. um, Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can tell you what I want, but I can't do it. So uh, I'm always intrigued by what these uh, these artists come up with. Um, extra, extremely, extremely creative. Yeah, oh, that's too funky. Uh, well, good deal. Um, yeah. Okay. What's next. Um, uh, what do we have? I guess it's interesting, right? The airlines have to try to figure out what to do with all these planes because we have too many planes. <laughs> so that was a thing, okay, great. So how do we get rid of them nicely? Um, since <laughs> some of them gonna have to be hanging around with us for a while. Um, yeah. Well, it's weird, right? Because you need something, I mean, an airplane, you need something that's durable. And typically when something is durable, it's not really- hard to get rid of. Right, because yeah. that's the whole idea why you made it durable so you can't get rid of it easily. Um, so that's a task that they're faced with. Um, okay, so our next story goes to Japan. Um, oh, we did have a story about the, um, the in-flight magazines going away. Uh, and I think it might have been the previous episode. And um, Several episodes back. Yeah. <clears throat> and so what's ANA doing now with all this? So ANA has this um, in-flight magazine called Global Wings um, mm. that apparently translates as Subasa. And um, no surprise, they're getting rid of it, at least the paper version, printed yeah. version. Um, and they, But they're going to have it available for everybody um, on the ANA app and also on uh, the ANA website. And the reason I brought up this topic, which really shouldn't be that interesting, but um, they also are getting rid of all their other publications that they have available in, let's say, a lounge. So what they're going to do is that they're going to have everything um, in Chinese, in Japanese, and in English available for download uh, 
through the ANA app 24 hours before your departure time, your scheduled departure time, and uh, hmm. 24 hours after your arrival time. And I just thought that was very interesting. That was something that was very different and so not anything that I had heard from any other carrier. So they estimate that they're going to save about 1,500 tons of uh, paper every year, which is always a good thing. Yeah. So then sounds like there'd be an employee, there'd be an employee missing too. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not trying, sure though. I'm trying to think of the lounge because um, the, the one in Japan. To restock the lounge. Uh, yeah can't be the only function of the of those employees well i don't know but, but uh you know me i'm always a people person thinking okay great that sounds good but that means you're gonna get rid of somebody somebody that's somebody's job um so uh wow okay i'm just trying to think about it. i'm just i'm trying to think i i don't mind Actually, some of the articles on these Asian magazine, Asian airlines, I think, are very interesting. There and is, it's just not the same. It's not looking at it on on the phone. I know it's as opposed to um, on paper. But <laughs> I'll have to get used to it. Yeah, but here's my thing, though. Right, everybody's complaining about screen time, right? Everyone's. I mean, all these apps <laughs> now have a parents, thing. especially. Yeah. How long are you on a computer all day? And it's like, and, and you know, when you read something on a piece of paper, it is a lot easier on your eyes than having to read that screen all the time. I, you know, I mean, call me old fashioned, but I don't like the whole, you walk in and you have, oh, there's no newspaper. You don't have the smell of the newspaper. <laughs> you know, they don't- Touch and feel. Yes, there's no magazine. I can't turn the page. Uh, although we're getting old, I know. Although some <laughs> no. people who it's probably a good thing because some people turn the page and like lick their fingers. They're like, "Oh, gross! You're touching that paper that somebody just touched." And in the age of by the way, the sun is hitting you in a very interesting manner. Oh, it's making like, you look striped. <laughs> and I tried to move so. out of the way of it, but that didn't work. That didn't work much. Um, yeah, so it'll be quite interesting. I don't know if I like that. I don't think I like that at all. Um, so a lot of airlines are getting rid of their magazines. They are. They? What do you guys think? I mean, you know, I, you know, you're all listening. Let, let us know what you think about how, how digital do we need to be, I guess is kind of the question. Um, you know, are we going to get rid of everything that's paper? Um, because you know what happens, Kusho, when... Um, you know, and I'm the biggest tech geek there is. Well, not the biggest, but I'm a big tech geek. When we had the issue here in Texas with the weather, um, nothing worked. When the power goes out, you get nothing. Um, in, and when I say nothing in that, well, the internet doesn't work because you have no power. And the, the internet is, is, a, is um, connected to the power unless you had DSL, which I don't know much people who have DSL anymore. Then that should come straight in, and it should they, the phone landing. It should be okay. Um, you need to charge your phone, right? You do need to charge your phone, exactly. But even if your phone is charged, I had to go. Um, I couldn't get. 
um, I have T-Mobile and I couldn't get signal from inside the house. Um, I had to actually go outside and I would leave the phone outside because it was so cold. <laughs> and I'd come back inside and use my computer and tether to my phone so I could use it. So, and, and one of the reasons too is that you, you went from four bars, which is what you normally have like now five bars um, to one. Or and none. the point you are trying to make is? Is that we are too dependent on our phones and our technology and all that. So when we get rid of all this quote unquote paper and all the things that we think that we don't not, we no longer need, when we lose power, we got nothing because the phones that are supposed to work are yep. not working when there is no power uh, because the power to the towers must have been down. Um, yeah. And so we couldn't get any signal. No one could call you. And after the, after the power came back, we got all the text messages came back. So all the phone calls came back. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I have 10 voicemails. Where did they come from? Well, people called while the power wasn't, power wasn't working. So we need to figure out a way as a backup. When we don't have power, how do we power these things that are essential? Uh, like the hospital that's close by, the hospital is on the grid. And it was very bizarre. I, I, I should have taken a video or something, but I didn't. The only place in the neighborhood that had power was the hospital. And not like even the stores that are next to the hospital in the same grid had no power. Oh. It was just the hospital. The parking lot that was across the street that's connected to the hospital didn't have any power. Only the hospital okay. did. So they just did the grid. It's kind of stupid because you have other things that are that are connected to the hospital that are are part of the support system. Um, so this was a really classic example of how we are so dependent on power that <clears throat> we don't have any backup. So it's the same thing with ANA. Our all phones also. Exactly, you're all dependent on that, and somebody comes into your club, and you know what happened to the people who need Braille. How are they gonna? How are they gonna read your stuff? Um, you know, so we we need to we need to step back a little bit and figure out um, how are we gonna take care of our society when the power goes. Um, all right, so that's all I have on that one. So, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I think that was the last story we had for today. Um, yeah, that was a lot. Oh, no, we had a Sky Team one. Okay. We were going to talk about the Sky Team thing. Uh, yeah. This is another thing. I'm surprised that no one, neither of the, none of the alliances have done this earlier. Uh -huh. But uh, the Sky Team has finally um, launched what they call a COVID testing directory. And I actually went to the Sky Team website and it's right there in front. You cannot miss it. Okay. Um, so they have a compendium of about 15,000 testing locations in what they claim are 75 plus countries around the world um, on their Sky Team website and also on websites of the participating airlines. Good, good. Um, it's called the Testing 
Labs Locator, and it's powered by a company called Trust Assure. And it's going to supposedly help passengers find and book a COVID test uh, with a trusted health provider. And it's also going to include the details of what tests are available, uh, contact details, and opening hours of these facilities. That's good. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad it makes that it very, very convenient. I'm glad that somebody had done that because I was thinking of doing it. <laughs> Yes, yes, because because it, 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 it's so confusing. Um, the 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 other part of that, uh, the reason I was thinking of doing that was you have all these Americans who are flying out of the country, and everybody requires a test to come back in. Mm. And so, um, but in every country, it is very different in every country, and the cost yep. is different in every country. So it's like, well, I need to create something where people can go find this. I'm gonna look at Sky Team and see what the see what's missing, and then add that. <laughs> Because I know they didn't cover it. They didn't cover it. Because my friend just went to Jamaica, and he oh. went to the to the University of the West okay. Indies, and that's uh -huh. where he actually got his test. And I think okay. it was like I believe like a lot of hotels are covering it. Uh, yes. Yeah. So in Mexico, the hotels in Mexico are paying for it. Oh, is it uh, just Mexico? Okay. Uh, well, it, it's not just Mexico, but that's one of the places that I that I heard of, and so. Um, but people need to know this. And the other thing I was going to do was create like a timeline that oh. when people are traveling, you need to have a timeline. It's, it's, you can't, as a non-rev, we'll just get up and go, oh, um, let's go get on the, what time is it now? It's 2.43. I think we, we, we still have time to make the, what, was it the six o'clock or the eight o'clock to London, right? Well, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> you need to think about it. You, you got to think, okay, great. Do, do they require a COVID test? Uh, yes. Where can I get the COVID test? Can I do the airport? Some airports do have it, some don't. Do they need a PCR? And then when I get there, when I'm going to come back, I need a test to come back to the United States. Where am I going to get that test and how much is it going to cost? And most importantly, if I happen to get sick when I travel, how am I going to take care of that? Which hospitals can I go to? You know, that kind of stuff. So it's just so different now. You can't just, yeah. you can't just walk yeah. down the airport and pick a flight off the board. <laughs> Not even domestically. You really have to think about it. Yep. Because domestically, we still have quarantines. Although people don't think about it, but we have domestic quarantines. Domestic meaning domestic States. United States. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, even, you can't even go to Hawaii. <laughs> without doing a test. <laughs> um, so, so I'm glad that they've done that. I, I'm going to go take a look at it. And, uh, and I'll, I'll link to that one too, because I think that's really something important that, um, that will be very helpful that we definitely have to think about. Um, all right. I think that's all we have because we probably, I don't know how much time we've got. Oh, I don't have the time turned on in this computer. But we've probably been going for close to an hour now. Um, Guaranteed. Yeah. Although, um, uh, so we're always worried. We're, what's, what's that, Kusha? I knew you were going to bring this up. Well, well b because we've been talking about it in every episode, right? So we're talking about the length of the episode. And you guys actually haven't told us whether the episodes are too long or not. So we just assume that it's okay. Sorry, I'm moving the computer around again.
now I have like a different uh, stripey thing with the with the shades. Um, but the, but the I guess the idea is we're when we do the episodes, we just talk about the news and um, the episodes are as long as they are. And you guys haven't complained, so I guess we were doing okay. Um, but so we <laughs> actually have two more things. We got some other items to talk about and we have aircraft to talk about, but we know this is gonna be like way, way, way too long. Um, and we don't want you guys to tune out on this. So we're gonna finish this episode here and then um, we'll have two other episodes to add, which is actually quite good. So um, was it all you have, Kusha? Yes, for this, for the airline section. Okay, all right. Um, all right, hold on. I don't know why. Okay, good. So um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, we are on, um, on Apple Podcasts. So go to Apple, download on Apple, and uh, leave us some kind of rating and let us know. Um, despite the fact that, that a lot of people download the, the podcast and listen to it directly from the website and to their phone, it doesn't count because everything is, Apple has like over 60 something percent of the market share, which is really weird, um, but that's what they do. So if you listen to this podcast, please go to, um, Apple and search for what's happening in travel. Uh, you can search on my name, Kerwin McKenzie or Kusho Barak, and then you can find us on um, on on there. Uh, we're also on on um, Spotify, and we are on Google Podcasts and also Amazon. Um, I think that's it. Is that all you have? All right, so this has been another episode of What's Happening in Travel, episode number 69. And, um, and we recorded this on the 2nd of March. And Waka, um, we're almost at uh, episode 70. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>